Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and we have another Back to the Past alternate history episode today. And we have a very special guest, guest, Kathy. Want to introduce yourself, Kathy? Hi, my name is Kathy Joseph, and otherwise known as Kathy Loves Physics. I run a YouTube channel where I go into the personal stories of scientists to describe the science they discovered. And I'm publishing my first book on October 12th called The Lightning Tamers, True Stories of the Dreamers and Schemers Who Harnessed Electricity and Transformed Our World. And that is a mouthful. So the, the Lightning Tamers is a short name. Yeah, so Kathy, we're thrilled to have you on the show and let's get started. I mean, so the topic for today is well, Michael Faraday never went into science. So you might know him as the inventor of the Faraday cage. So the topic's what if he never went into science? And as Kathy can attest, he was fundamental and big and, you know, just discovering applications and really implementing electricity into our modern day lives. Thomas Edison, he took Faraday's knowledge, his discoveries, and made, for example, the light bulb, or rather, the ver- Edison made, I forget, Edison made the usable light bulb, or he just made the light bulb? Yeah, it's the usable light bulb. Actually, okay. the first electric light was invented by Isaac Newton's assistant way back in 1609. Oh, and wow. <laughs> it's way older than you think. What Edison did was make light bulbs profitable. Okay. Um, and also, sorry. Go ahead. Pardon me. I was, uh, that's my fault. But I also have to say, he did mainly what the Thomas Edison is credited for is that he did improve a lot of stuff. I don't think it definitely isn't right to give him the credit of being the inventor of the light bulb. But as for improving it, he surely did a lot of improvements to the light bulb. That's oh. what I just wanted to add that on. I agree 100%. I think people have this idea that scientists are either like all good. And then you ignore anything bad they did and attribute everything good that they did, every accomplishment to them. Or they're all bad and you want to ignore everything they did. (laughs) And Edison is complicated. He did a lot of amazing things and he did a lot of less appealing things. And I think people have a hard time grasping onto someone who wasn't all good or all bad, if you see what I mean. Yeah, I mean, I think one thing is like all these like when we're children, I guess a lot of the books, they teach people like binary, either good or bad. But we know, I guess, in the real world that no one is good or bad 100%, right? It's a mix of both. It's great. There's no black and white. Scientists are people and science is because of the scientists. So when we try to pretend that scientists are superhuman, we get a false impression of history. But occasionally there is a scientist who is sort of a, doesn't invent everything, but is sort of a pivot point for most of the discoveries that came after it. And I think Michael Faraday is one of them. And in fact, I would say that if there wasn't a fist fight between two unnamed young men in 1813, we wouldn't be here talking to each other today. How about that for a statement? Well, I mean, you you should tell the story. I'm pretty interested. So these two people, one was a bottle washer and one was the delivery boy. 
and I have no idea why they fought. All I know is some bottles got broken and the bottle washer got fired. And that's the end of that person in my story. But because he was fired, a young man who was working binding books as a profession got a job with a chemist because the bottle washer was working for the world's most famous chemist at the time. And his name was Humphrey Davy. And Humphrey Davy was like, oh, well, I need a new bottle washer. <laughs> I guess I'll hire Faraday. And that's how Faraday got his big break in science. And without that twist of fate, it's hard to see how Faraday, who had no education, no math skills, no connection, and no money, could gotten out of working in industry and gotten a job in science. I mean, that is... That's like very interesting because I'm pretty sure a year later after he got appointed, Faraday got his inspiration when he was traveling with um, Humphrey Davy, right? Mm-hmm. Where, he, where he like met influential scientists. So it's, it's crazy how one story about a fight can influence a whole man's career. But I mean, sometimes that's how time works and time. The butterfly effect. Yeah, I mean, time is also a part of science too. <laughs> Exactly. It is very, yes, it's true. Um, Humphrey Davy was so famous that even though he was English, um, Napoleon gave him a pass to travel throughout Europe in the middle of the Napoleonic War. And he brought Faraday with him because Davy's um, servant refused to go to France where the enemy was. And so Faraday went and he met Ampere who they became good friends, like amps and current is measured in amps. He met Volta, who invented the battery and gave them a original battery to look at. I mean, they went everywhere. And people said, we admired Davy, but we loved Faraday. And then when he came back to England, that's when things started to, to really change. And the first thing that, I mean, there's many things that he did, but one of the most important things that most people don't realize is that in 1831, he decided that he wanted to make electricity from magnets. And he actually had like a notebook and he writes, making electricity from magnets. And he did. He figured out that if you had, at the time, they knew that if electricity was in a coil, it would act like a magnet. But he found that he could make one electromagnet make electricity in the other electromagnet, but only when it was changing. If it was constant, it didn't matter how strong the magnet was, it didn't do anything. And he even took out a magnet, like a bar magnet, and moved it in and out of a coil, and he's like, I created electricity. And he created electricity as he's moving in and out. You'll know this one. The electricity he made, what kind of electricity was it? Alternating current, yeah. Yeah, it goes the other way. He made alternating current. And right after he published that, um, Ampere's assistant read it, and he was like, oh, I'll make a machine that makes electricity. So he gets out a bar magnet, uh, not a bar magnet, U-shaped magnet, two little coils, and he puts like a thing so you could spin the bar magnet. 
So the bar magnets would go towards the coils away, towards the coils away. And then he went to his boss and he's like, this seems great, but I don't like the electricity going back and forth. (laughs) And Ampere said, yeah, I don't like that either. Let's make some wires and switches called um, commutators. And instead of the electricity going back and forth, it'll sort of be bouncing electricity because when the electricity is going one way, the wires are connected one way. And then when the electricity is going the other way, the wires are the other way. So they made the first direct current. They made direct current. Essentially, so essentially, I guess Faraday with his his experiments, he discovered AC and DC power. Yes, he did. And how to generate it. Exactly. And the first um, electric generator. He did that as well. (laughs) It's amazing. And they were all influenced by this. Now, you could argue that, like, if he hadn't done that, other people would have discovered it. But um, Ampere's assistant died, like, two years after that. And Ampere died, like, three years after that. So it's possible with that delay that there wouldn't have been DC generators. If you see what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. And then there would be the war of the currents would have been very different. If you can imagine. It would just be alternating currents at that point, to be honest. Right. Exactly. But I mean, who knows if they would have a motor because a DC motor was very, it was only 20 years later, I think, that they had this thing called a gram machine, which was basically you spun and it had the commutators. And someone mm-hmm. put a battery on it and made it spin backwards. And they're like, oh, you spin it, you get electricity. You put a battery there, you get a motor. So I don't know how long it would have taken to get motors with AC without the DC motor to help you. Right. Figure it out. And I think with AC versus DC, I think DC, like I know all our appliances and stuff, they're, ca- they're powered by DC. And what happens with the AC current, right, is that it's converted to DC before it goes into the actual um, electronic at the end. So I wonder, like, how would we, without really discover this later discovery of DC, like, what would be the state of the world? Like, even back then when electricity started, like, becoming more mainstream, right? Because, like I was saying, everything... That the way we know how to power stuff is through DC. We don't really know how to power anything major with AC because it just doesn't have, I guess, I want to say it doesn't have that kind of capacity like DC does. The only thing is that AC is better for traveling because it doesn't lose power like DC does. Right. If you have a transformer, which was also derived from a device from that same 1831 experiment. (laughs) Seriously. A lot of results. It had so many results because when Faraday did the experiment with the two coils, he wrote that he was disappointed when he got electricity induced into a second coil, he couldn't get a spark or even a a little shock, which doesn't sound disappointing to me, but at the time felt kind of disappointing. And then there was this um, Irish priest and he was like, let me see if I can get a shock out of two coils. And he found he could if the second coil had just way more wires, thinner wires, and they're on top of each other. 
So he actually made this machine where someone spun a wheel and it connected and disconnected a battery. And then he just stood there getting shocks over and over again. And he was writing about like, this is great. I want I'm like, doesn't sound great to me. Yeah, I don't think it's encouraging the great stuff. (laughs) But that started to be sold as like a device to do medical experiments. (laughs) And they just kept on getting it bigger and bigger until it made a big spark. And then it was called a spark gap generator. And that was what was used to discover radio waves. That's what was used to power the first x-ray machines. And that was what was used to inspire the first transformer to understand how electricity could change its voltage if it was alternating. That's, that's I mean, something. I'm pretty I mean, sure D- DC current also helped uh, how cars were invented with their batteries too. So it's crazy to think about if AC only existed, how they will create transportation in the future. Exactly. But there's even more because Faraday in no way stopped there. Because when he came up with that experiment, he came up with this idea that magnets have what he called magnetic lines of force. We now call them magnetic fields coming out of them. And he had this crazy idea. He's like, I think they take a little while to move in the air these magnetic lines of force. And he said, I can imagine them making waves in the air. He's ahead of his time. (laughs) Unbelievable. And then he also, in 1837, he was playing with, so this guy named Charles Augustine Coulomb, like Coulomb's law, had been doing experiments on electricity. And one of the things he figured out is if you have a conductive material, all the charges are on the surface. And Faraday's like, that sounds great. I'm going to make it a big experiment. I'm going to make a giant cage and live in it. (laughs) This is what he said. So is this, I guess, the beginning of the Faraday cage? That's the Faraday cage. And he had experiments going on outside. And he's like, I feel nothing inside. No electric no electric effects inside this cage at all. He just lived in the cage. (laughs) He he literally said, I went and lived in the cage, which was kind of poetic. Yeah. How long was he in there for? If he, no, I'm guessing like a half hour. It wasn't. Oh, okay. (laughs) Living was a bit of exaggeration. Still, I mean, that's still something. Yeah. But he also came up with the idea of not only the cage, but the, there are also electric lines of force coming off of everything. And every other scientist hated this idea. And it was only him who was just like, this makes sense to me. And then this is even crazier. So then in 1845, he was thinking about a lot and he came up with this crazy idea about these lines of force, but he didn't want to say it out loud because It seemed too weird. But then he was supposed to introduce a talk by someone else. And the other person chickened out at the last moment. And so he just gave a talk that he wasn't prepared for. And so he said, I'm going to just give you the vague 
thoughts in my mind. And his vague thoughts were, maybe light is a vibration of these electric or magnetic lines of force. That was Faraday? I thought that, that was, was someone else. Faraday. You're probably uh, thinking of a guy named James Clerk Maxwell. Yeah. Yeah. That's because guess who Maxwell was writing his equations about? Faraday. Faraday. Faraday had no math skills. Maxwell had great math skills. And Maxwell was like, I think Faraday is actually mathematical. It's just not in traditional yeah. math. Like he doesn't write it in numbers and stuff. He just kind of thinks about it. Exactly. And he needs someone to like translate it to numerical. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So that's what Maxwell did. And so when Maxwell made his equations, he literally, I mean, like the first paper he did was called On Faraday's Lines of Force. And he continually said, like, this is based on Faraday's ideas. Due to Faraday's ideas, we're doing this. So it was clearly, I'm not sure how you could get Maxwell's equations without Faraday. If you see what I mean. Yeah, yeah. So you might say, well, okay, great. Maxwell made these equations. What's, what's so influential about that? But there was a German man named Heinrich Hertz, and he tried to prove Maxwell's equations correct by working on a invisible light wave. And they were called Hertzian waves, and then they were called radio waves. So radio waves were discovered to confirm Faraday-Maxwell's theory. Equations. Okay. Wow. I mean, so the, that's, that's why I said I'm not sure I'd be talking to you if this didn't, if those two yeah. people hadn't gotten in a fist fight. I mean, forget about the forget about the internet. I mean, radios. There's a very real chance that radios wouldn't exist. Yes. Computers don't 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 even like they're gone. Gone. I mean, I would say. I mean, maybe I would say this by the 70s and 80s we're laying out or in. in our electrical infrastructure for just starting it, or maybe even later by the 90s and early 2000s? I'm not sure. You Would you say even later or just I mean, not it, happen? I mean, honestly, that could happen. Like, not, I'm saying at least with uh, electricity becoming widespread, I don't know when exactly it would happen. But like, for example, some cities would be like New York City was a whole current war, which is one of the things we were talking about before we actually started this. And the current war pretty much is kind of like, which one is better, direct current or alternative current? Which Edison, I believe, who was the inventor of direct current off the top of my head, did win out eventually. And, the big, and did win out eventually. And then if we're going to say, for example, Faraday doesn't go into science. And I believe at least we agreed that the direct, the direct current would still be created. Am I correct? If... No, though we're saying the opposite. I mean, ah, okay. Let me rephrase. The batteries create direct current, so there would be direct current. Faraday's idea easily led to alternating current. But if it hadn't been discovered when it was discovered, I don't know if Ampere would have figured out how to change that alternating current from a generator to a direct current from a generator. Gotcha. If that makes sense. Plus, Without Faraday, it's hard to see how you could have Maxwell's laws. And without Maxwell's laws, I'm not sure how we would have radio. I'm not sure how we would have quantum mechanics. I'm not sure how we would have computers. I am not sure how we would have 
any of our world. Oh, I mean, that's especially, I mean, I think because we, originally our topic was kind of going to be more general about electricity, but then we kind of we kind of really made it more towards Faraday and not really getting into science at all. And I mean, the more you hear about it, I mean, Faraday is a major figure, and I think he deserves all the credit that he really gets. I mean, he kind of created the modern world in some sense, at least for ma- modern forms of mass communication, electrification at least. But I mean, I think it could even go to a further extent, like you guys were saying, I mean, if you think about it, everything runs on electricity, not only just communication, but like our cars, the batteries used to start it up, not even electric vehicles, just gas cars, the batteries used to start up the engine, right? So like every, I, I, this one guy essentially brought us to where we are and without him, I mean, who knows, we would be maybe 50 to 100 or even 200 years behind in progress. Just this one guy, like you were saying, Kathy, this one fist fight gave this one guy to become the bottle cleaner of this famous chemist. And that's just how the ball rolled, started to roll. Exactly. It's, you look into it and I cannot think of a modern device that cannot be brought back to Faraday. It's, it's astonishing if you think about it. I mean, like just talking about the car, the spark, um, what do you call it? Spark, spark plug plugs. in your car. That's an induction coil like I was talking about before, which was initiated with Faraday's 1831 experiment. It's astonishing to think about. Everything just keeps on coming back to the same yes. experiment. <laughs> yes, it does. And sometimes in multiple, well, not always the same experiment, but the same person. Right. But and, I, I, feel like I think I keep on mentioning this one experiment over and over again. It's like, even though he's done multiple experiments, this one seems to be of particular significance. It was, and they knew it at the time. He, it made him a superstar. He said that, I mean, they wanted to give him nobility. They wanted to give him all this money. And he was like, nope, 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 nope. (laughs) So, (laughs) But um, if you read his papers, his 1831 paper, it's like Michael Faraday works at the Royal Institution. And then the next one is like Michael Faraday works at the Royal Institution and honorary member of this, 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 this. They got bored with (laughs) Like every institution in the world said, we'll make you an honorary member. That's good enough. I think he stayed home in London the entire time, right? Mostly. he. Um, I mean, he did do that one long trip with Davy, but mm-hmm. I think he mostly stayed in London. He was a very – he didn't know any other languages but English. He was – I think he sense. had such a bad trip with um, – <laughs> Humphrey Davy, I'm not sure he wanted to go back on the road. Yeah, that although makes sense. <laughs> although he might have gone to places a little bit. I'm I'm, I'm not 100 percent sure. Resided, he resided in London his entire oh, yes. life. Basically. He did all his work in London. That's correct. It's fascinating though. I mean I, I don't know. I mean, just the concept that one person just has had a tremendous impact on our lives. I mean, and he's not the only one, for example. I mean, for example, Isaac, Sir Isaac Newton, he revolutionized the way we think about the physical world, right? And I mean, a lot of these guys, for example, wouldn't have been able to do their revolutions without, you know, physicists in the past. And yeah. Isaac Newton, I forgot, I think I forgot the German guy too, but two people created calculus at the same time as well. I mean, 
Leibniz. Leibniz, yes. And, I mean, calculus has allowed us to really just model all these different natural phenomena and, like, engineer in such a precision. So I I think of science as a, what do you call it, um, where you pass the baton one person to the other, a relay race. Well, it's like passing the torch, essentially, kind of. Right. And all these ideas build on each other. And so often you take one person out and you're like, I'm not sure how that would develop. But I I honestly can't think of anyone more influential in terms of that relay race than Faraday. Because electricity, wireless, and quantum mechanics all go back to him. I mean, like, (laughs) I mean, like, everyone thinks about like Thomas Edison, Nikola Tesla, but I mean, people don't realize how much uh, work Thomas Edison like kind of stole or kind of not like uncredited, and like some of that work was from Faraday. I mean, because Thomas Edison is kind of known as like the father of DC current, right? Like everyone knows like the history of like Edison versus Tesla, but a lot of that work comes from Faraday. The ideas. It's well, crazy. In in Edison's defense, which is not a very comfortable thing to say, that whole idea that Edison invented DC electricity was is completely false, and he never said it. Um, in fact, he initially came up with this idea for light bulbs when he went to see someone else who had a DC generator and was lighting up these very bright lights called arc lamps, which were actually invented by Humphrey Davy, by the way. Fun fact, Faraday's boss. But anyway, so they had the generator, they had the arc lamps, and Edison went, you know what? I love the generator, but we don't want a few bright lamps. We want a lot of dim lamps so we can put them in our homes. And And he went, he had a newspaper people with him everywhere he went. So we know what he said. He's like, this is my idea. I'm going to take your DC generator. I'm going to put it with little light bulbs. It's going to be great. I'll do it in two weeks or something. And of course, it was way harder than two weeks. But right. he never... I mean, that seems very unrealistic, two weeks. Well, I mean, he kept on saying stuff like that. That's the problem with studying Edison is he kept everything and whatever it was, he just like, this is perfect. And you never know if it was perfect or completely not perfect. Cause he just kind of hyped it up. Yeah. He was just really good at self-publicity and marketing himself. Exactly. So, and I think he was also quite a bit of an optimist. If he was like, I have a vision in my head. He was like, I'm sure it'll work out fast. And then years <laughs> later, he's like, Oh wow, this is hard. <laughs> yeah. But but that that whole idea but all of those filter back to the um driving force of Faraday. For example, um Edison had no education, just like Faraday had no education, and he learned by reading and his favorite book Faraday's Researches in Electricity. He said that's you know. how I learned about electricity. What do you know? <laughs> exactly. So it all sort of 
Strangely, almost all of it comes back to, I mean, obviously Faraday didn't invent everything. He didn't invent the battery. He didn't invent the arc lamp. There's many, many things he didn't invent. But his work was um, almost a bottleneck in terms of discovery that almost everything flows through. Yeah. Like he's like, I guess he just had such an important contribution that everything after him is the result of him, essentially. Exactly. Our electrical world is because of him. And it's not just me that thought this. Um, a guy named Ernest Rutherford, who discovered the nucleus, said that Faraday was the greatest discoverer that ever lived. Einstein carried uh, had uh, drawings of different scientists on his wall, like a teenager with their heroes up there, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and he had... Newton, Faraday, and Maxwell. So I'm not the only one who thought he was important. That's just, that's obviously just not fascinating. I, mean, yeah. I just not even had a picture of him up there. Exactly, and he did call it the Faraday-Maxwell equations as well, because they actually are. If that makes any sense. Yeah, because I mean, it's a contribution of both, like you were saying. Right, exactly. It's, it's very fascinating. I mean, when I've when I think of Faraday, I've only thought of the Faraday cage. You know, to block the uh, radio frequency waves, right, inside mm -hmm. of a box or a cage. So, like I know, for example, law enforcement they'll put a phone into a Faraday cage, right? So that way, there's no remote wipe on the phone, which is evidence, and the data is not wiped. But I never knew that Faraday did more than just the Faraday cage. Right. Well, part of it is he was from this obscure religion that was um, called the Sandinistans. They're sort of like Quakers. And he very much believed in not self-promotion. He refused to make any money. He, he made less money after his 1831 discovery than before. Really? <laughs> yeah. And he refused any honors. He wouldn't become the president of the Royal Society. He wouldn't let them ennoble him. He, when he was dying, he's like, I want my grave to be the simplest kind. He was very humble. And part of, and at first, they decided to name current after him. They said, let's measure current in Farad. Faraday's Farad. But then when they combined with um, some French people in sort of an international thing of like, what are we going to name everything? They said, let's name them amps. And they're like, okay, we'll, we'll name something else Farads. So he kind of got shuffled to the side. <laughs> Partially because he also, like I said, he didn't come from any money or any social standing. Yeah, so, he, did, he didn't. I think like you were saying, he didn't really want to have that either right he just wanted to just conduct research and, and discover new things yes exactly and that's what he did and now i can talk to you because of him well kathy thank you so thank you so much for coming on today i mean i know thank you very um, much really we had a great time i mean like i said i didn't know much of a faraday i just like i said the cage but this is just fascinating about how he was essentially, I guess, the father really of modern electrical discover discoveries and innovations, really. Yes. 
he's the father of electricity in my mind. No question about it. I just want to say thank you. I was going to say thank you for having me on. This was lots of fun. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I know we all had a good good time talking and discussing about the Faraday cage. Make sure to check out Kathy's book. It's coming out. It's coming out October twelfth, twenty twenty two. It's called The Lightning Tamers. It's on Amazon. Make sure to pick it up, and make sure to check out her YouTube channel as well. It's called Kathy Loves Physics and History. I feel like we are all dependent on electricity, and so many people have no idea about the basics of how it works or where it came from. So I started my YouTube channel so that I could use the quirky history of the scientists to explain the science. And I found that not only is it helpful for people who have no basic knowledge of the science when they start, it's also even helpful for people who have a lot of knowledge of the science because knowing where it comes from always gives it more information, more depth, and more resonance. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to leave a like on our Twitter and Instagram. Let us know what you thought about it, comments, suggestions. Our Twitter and Instagram are at Back to the Past P1. And leave a review. It really helps. I mean, we understand what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong, and how to improve it so you guys can enjoy it better. And have a good rest of your day.